Welcome in to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. On this episode, we're actually going to the softball world and we're bringing on Nate Walker, who formerly worked with several MLB organizations and now started his own um, company called Diamond Solutions, where he goes around to different college softball programs, travel softball organizations, and helps them understand, you know, what some of the, this, this, all this data means in terms of helping them develop pitchers helping them on the recruiting side you know what what softball pitchers should be aiming for and what they should be focusing on in their development um you know and and not just guessing but using objective information and using data um to to show you know what the best pitchers are are doing on a consistent basis um from like a movement perspective and then also giving you some tips on on what you should be focusing on as well so appreciate Nate coming on this is it's awesome to see uh the game of softball continue to grow the way it has been um you know myself i am coming out with you know my own softball membership for for softball coaches who are progressive um this is going to be so for for hitting coaches specifically so if you're a, a softball coach who's on the cutting edge who's progressive um head on over to patrickjonesbaseball.com slash softball and you put your name and email in and you'll be sent some information on on some exciting stuff that we have going on so patrickjonesbaseball.com slash softball if you're a softball coach out there who has a, a growth mindset who's progressive and on the cutting edge of wanting to be able to help players and continue to get better as a coach so hope you enjoyed this one appreciate you as always and uh, ladies and gentlemen here is now my episode with nate walker all right we are now live with nate walker of diamond solutions nate appreciate you coming on the show today Thanks for having me, Patrick. Excited to uh, dive into it. So, you know, I used to be in professional baseball with the Orioles. I know you used to be in professional baseball, you know, more so on, on the scouting side. Um, but but now you have, you know, your own company, Diamond Solutions, and you're pretty much just focusing on, on developing and, and helping uh, softball pitchers, um, you know, understand their what the da data means, and then put together plans on, on how to improve that information. Uh, how did this all happen? Because that's just kind of like a weird trend. You go from like a scout and professional baseball to now working with, uh, you know, different programs in the softball world on, on the pitching. I think I just got lucky, and and it, it was a it was a combination of of good luck and and uh, good connections. And so how it how it happened is as you mentioned, I was working for the the Toronto Blue Jays at the time, and um, wanted to always had the the itch to start my own business. And had a lot of friends who still played professionally and uh, and they were working out at a training facility called Symbiotic here in San Diego, California. And and uh, the business partner of the baseball side is is, uh, is with Dana Sorensen, who's very well known in, in the softball world, was a Stanford All-American and and uh, was very well connected in softball. And we kind of hit it off and we were talking about ways at the time this was when TrackMan and Rapsodo and, and all the ball flight data was just starting to peak uh, within within the baseball industry. And and Dana really encouraged me to to try it in softball. And and I was really intrigued by that um, just because there was no analytical presence in softball at the time. And so there's there's no fan graphs, no baseball savant, no MLB, like no MLB network explaining what all these metrics meant. And and to me it was an exciting opportunity. And and at the same time you could see the sport 
start to, to gain trajectory in terms of just popularity, youth participation, and, and just uh, there, there is a lot of interesting facets of, of softball. And, and so Dana, who um, when she was at Stanford, her pitching coach was Lonnie Alameda, who was, who's now the head coach at Florida State softball. Um, Lonnie has a winter camp every, um, every winter with, for, for, um, for recruiting purposes and, and, and camps and whatnot. And so they invited me out to that, to collect some data, to get, you know, it was a good first opportunity to get a lot of players quickly and, and get some, uh, at the t- uh, you know, get some top pitchers who always attend Florida state at the time and see kind of what those look like. And ever since then, it kind of started naturally growing and growing shortly after that I went to Dana's other pitching coach when she was a fifth year Trisha Ford who was at Arizona State now at Texas A&M and and ever since then it was just it's kind of just evolved over time of as we've collected more data we figured out ways more ways to use it in the player development world in game strategy you know how to recruit off of it and so it's just uh over the years it's just slowly evolved over time to um to to kind of have an all-encompassing analytical service for for colleges right now. That is, it's incredible how it how it started and how it's continuing to you know evolve. Before we started recording, you said uh, you know you're going to be on the road, um, you know working with different college programs for the next 50 straight days. So obviously you're in high yeah. demand right now. Um, but but I want to go back to you know wh- when you're collecting data and information, especially when you first got started. You know there, I, there's no track man as far as I know in the softball world. So how are you collecting this data? Is it just through Rapsodo? Yeah, it was just through Rapsodo in the beginning. And so anytime you start with the new data set, what was very important to me is I wanted to, I always call call it a normal distribution of talent. So I wanted to see what the best of the best looked like, like Team USA players at that time, you know, Florida State players, their national championship winning team in 2018. Um, you know, what what the the potential student athletes look like, the recruits, you know, from, you know, upper level travel ball to JV in high school, all the way down to, you know, the lower ends and then everything in between. And so I first started kind of at the top, right? You have the the Florida States, the Arizona States, the Oklahomas of the world. And then, you know, you work your way down and try and get as, as much of a normal distribution of talent. And now as the, the sport has evolved, there's more, now there's Yakker Tech in, in with, with the game data for, uh, for softball that's just starting to come into play. And so now you're starting to see um, kind of some trends of that happen you know, in game as well for for some select schools who have who have made the early early ad- adopt early adaptation of uh, of game data and so um, really what it started with is just first off collecting that normal distribution of talent testing some of the themes that I learned in the front office pitching wise to see if they applied and and then kind of collecting some of their their stats and doing some correlations and some modelings off of that and and then kind of as we get more data you know, the, the, you know, the assumptions get, get more and more accurate. And so that's really how I started. And now that the technology is really advanced. Um, we have, we have more, more fun to, to deal with now that we're starting to get into some, some game data as well. So when you said that, you know, when you, similar to what, when you were in the front office, are you speaking in terms of just movement plots, like V like the way TrackMan would have, you know, different scattered plots? Yeah. Movement plots, movement themes, right. You know, like for instance, Oh, players, you know, in baseball players with a lot of ride, get a lot of swing and miss on their, on their four seam. And so it's like, okay, what is the softball version of ride? Or if you um, take, for instance, there's a lot of swing and miss with, you know, approach angle pitchers in, in, in baseball. It's like, okay, do shorter pitchers in softball with the X amount of vertical break, get more swing and miss than the taller ones. And so you're, you're, you have a, 
the benefit I had from coming from MLB is I used MLB as kind of like that research library of like, all right, what are some of the commonalities that could that you could see between softball and baseball? Then the tricky part is, all right, how do I count for 43 feet? You know, with all that and, you know, which is the the amount, the, the distance between the, the the circle and home plate. And so, um, so yeah, it's really just kind of, all right, MLB was kind of my research library. And then as you get more information, as you collect more sample, as you get a better normal distribution of talent, you test to see what's available because that's really all I had available to me because like I said, there's no fan grass, there's no, there's no savant or anything. So that was, I thought the the best way to approach that problem as well as the most responsible when, when advising clients. Yeah. That's one of the things that surprised me too, you know, as I, you know, I'm, I'm, my background's in hitting. So I've been, you know, more so doing stuff, you know, within the game of softball on the hitting side. And it, it's hard just to find video clips of even just hitters hitting home runs. And it's like, you know, there's no bats, right? I don't know if you guys use bats at all when you're, yeah. Um, yeah, there's no, there's no bats. There's no, you know, MLB.com or any of these others. So it's kind of, you really have to dig pretty deep to find, you know, different clips that you're looking for. Um, what, what was something that, that did surprise you once you started collecting some of the, the data and information? Like, is there anything that really stood out or surprised you? I would say the thing that really stands out, especially transitioning from baseball, is just how important it's a combination of how important vertical components to your games are, as well as how less of a factor horizontal movement is in the softball world. Because when you only throw from 43 feet from an underhand slot, it's very difficult to get a lot of horizontal movement on those pitches. And so just so that basically when you when you analyze some of the top top arms in the game those vertical components are really, really important in your repertoire because it's easier just from the underhand slot to make the ball go north and south than it is to go east and west. And then in addition, like in baseball, it's we talk about the four movement planes, north, south, east, west, quite regularly, right? Like, you know, you want to check all those boxes. In softball, it's, it's, it's very common to just have pitchers and good pitchers as well just have one dominant direction. You know, that's, that's very, very popular. Uh, within the sport just because of the underhand motion and so uh, you really have to learn how how can you build repertoires off of one primary dimension how can you build rosters off of you know with diversity within the different you know north and south dimensions and 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 so really it was like okay how do i how do you develop without kind of like the horizontal game for most pitchers they, they do exist but they're just really difficult to find uh, and the same with two-dimensional pitchers so it's so it's an interesting equation like that. And then you combine that with what we were talking about before we we recorded was the, the just the high offensive environment that you see in, in softball, you know, 200 foot fences, metal bats, really strong athletes now. Um, so it's an interesting equation on, on how to deal with all that stuff from just what's available, what's doable, given like the physics of 43 feet. And then, you know, what and then also from like my past knowledge of like knowing what plays, you know, in, in the baseball world. So. Um, I would say like the, the, the lack of horizontal aspects to your, to, to the repertoires was the biggest, the first thing. And the biggest thing I noticed as well as just the one dimensionality usually that you see with, with, with most pitchers. Okay. So, so for those, those coaches who are listening to this or watching this and, and players as well, uh, you know, based on what you just said, if they're focusing on their development, let's just say they're a high school pitcher, they should be more so fo focusing more North South and developing those, that repertoire than worrying about East going East West. 
Yeah. And so where a lot of the younger coaches and younger players get themselves into trouble is they try and check too many boxes. And so in softball, it's very common to throw or attempt to throw six pitches um, right off the bat, you know, but really, I always say if you can have one pitch that goes up, one pitch that goes down and one pitch that goes slow, you can be an All-American in the sport. Easier said than done. But my biggest thing is make sure you're not, you know, just like in baseball, you don't want to be average in your in your pitch movement profiles. You want to be, you want to have be betting on having one really unique, especially preferably vertical component at an acceptable velocity. So I would say the simpler the better um, when it comes to developing pitchers, and and really emphasize those north south kind of uh, movement planes. So in 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 track man, you know what? If you have plus twenty inches of a vertical break like that's a that's a pretty good fastball right that's that's pretty yeah, good yeah. ride on that what would it be in softball that would be like so it, it would only be a the start of an above average vertical break range is for me is around two inches so plus two inches two. yeah so yeah it's 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 not it's not near remember it's only 43 feet right. so so there's crazy so those move so those movement plots are really tight when you look at them and so really inches can make a big like a zero inch vertical break, the difference between a zero inch vertical break and a two inch vertical break can sometimes equate to like one and a half strikeouts per, per seven innings. So it's like pretty significant, you know, just off the inches of that. And so two is the start above average. I would say like the 20 range, you know, which would be really good on, on a track man would probably be around four or five. Okay. So I usually don't see many pitchers. Eight is kind of like the top end, you know, of, of, of that. So eight would be really, really high, but four or five is when you're starting to really, Oh, that's, that's really good kick. But two is kind of that start uh, of, of that number of that threshold. Have you ever experimented with players or have them experiment with different grips? And if so, have you seen any correlation for, you know, increased vertical break with different pitch grips or finger pressure on the ball? Not necessarily grips. Like Dana and I were studying kind of like center of mass information of like, where their center mass is relative to when their front foot lands. And, and a lot of it's, it's really interesting. Generally, you know, like makes sense. Like the, the, the players that are leaning back a little bit further can get underneath the ball a little bit better. The players forward, you know, is, is getting, you know, easier on top spin. Um, and then there's also like kind of, it's, there's really an interesting dynamic with velocity as well. So like the up ball pitchers generally throw, a tick slower than the down ball pitchers because their momentum's going backwards, but the upspin is what gets swing and miss in college. So it's kind of like finding that healthy, you know, balance between enough upspin and enough velocity to miss enough bats, you know, whereas downspin gets much more contact, but can last maybe a little bit long. But in terms of like grips that we, we de- it's more really, it's really more like biomechanical, honestly, with, with softball, because it's, it's again, it's a short time to make that that pitch move and and really like kind of what you do before the ball releases is 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 really, really important with that. What are some of the common flaws you see from a biomechanical um, analysis? Well, that would be a Dana question. That's not kind of my area of expertise, but okay. what it comes down to is it like with is just knowing kind of like your story behind like how your body moves and really which movement profile should should you be going for for instance so you're like really heavy you know over your front side like more down baller and then you're trying and you're trying to throw you know rise curve screw which are more up ball pitches that may not be the best use of your time given kind of the way your your body moves um stuff like that so 
it's uh there's still a lot of research that's kind of honest this is like baseball that's like the next of, of analysis and that's kind of what a lot of the coaches um, are starting to become about in terms of how much velo you can add given how their body moves i think that a lot of games much more than in baseball at the high school level and so you see a lot of these pitchers that have unique movement profiles but are maybe like uh oh, they're like three four miles an hour off but uh if i if i could get three more four four miles an hour on this you know this could be really special but a lot of people in the youth youth world don't necessarily work at it because they're playing so many games so it's a really diff so you have to kind of bet on like the mechanical aspect of it to say all right i think you know given this movement profile and how this player moves like she's going to be able to hit 60 to 63 with five six inches up which is pretty good and so you know in the college world so it's the biomechanics is like the is a very interesting component that's just starting to come into softball, very similar to baseball. But um, but yeah, I would say you know Dana would be the the go to on on the you know on the extra, but just really knowing kind of what your what movement profile should you be going for and how you should kind of essentially be doubling down on that, especially as it relates to velocity. So speaking of velocity, what what is a a velocity that um, high school players should be aiming for if they want to play in college based on the data that you've seen? Well, across the board, my average in college is is around 63. Um, if you go to kind of the upper levels, a little bit higher, but generally, generally you want to be low to mid sixties. Um, that's kind of the, the, the lower end of that. And, and so by the time you're a senior, Generally speaking, the colleges I work with, it's pretty safe that they add three to five miles an hour once they get into college because they're actually, yeah, velocity development help happens way later in, in softball. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the, the youth circuit that, that they're in. But generally speaking, when you stop the, the 300 inning summers or, or the 300 inning travel ball seasons and uh, as, as, a, as a pitcher and, you know, you get in the weight room a little bit more, you know, you build up to your season. Uh, they usually add three to five miles an hour. So I'm trying to, I'm hoping to get in the low, lowish 60s by the time they're a senior or just entering college with an appropriate movement profile at the at the bottom end of that threshold. And then hoping that, you know, kind of transition into college gets them, you know, in that 63, 65 range, which is ideal for, for, a, for a playoff contender. Yeah, no, that's coming in there for sure. Um, do you, do you go out and scout high school pitchers? And the reason I asked is, I was talking to a college coach the other day and he had mentioned that you um, you had written up several profiles on a player and, and give them a grade and everything um, like on a 20, 20 to 80 scale. So, do, I mean, do you also go out and, and scout the travel ball scene? Yeah. So I have a great partnership with on deck softball. They're kind of the leaders in, in the scouting and eval world and in, in, in softball. And so I go around with them in the summer to their, their major events and, um, and, and I write up all the, the, I, I write up all the, the, the top prospects essentially, and, and send it out as part of my college package now to, um, to help colleges identify kind of who's, who's unique and who's, and, and who's, who's average, who's below average, et cetera. And so, uh, it's really meant, you know, it really helps me kind of identify kind of market analysis. All right. You know, the 2024 class has X characteristics, the 2025 class has Y characteristics, and that helps me advise schools especially as they have the different movement profiles leaving you know in in certain and they're all going to leave in four years right so you have to learn how to plug and play and replace replace that talent pool as they come in so 
that that partnership is really valuable to me in terms of understanding what's available and then as well as kind of like what are some of the more interesting youth trends that you see and and, and how to account for that in the recruiting process so so yeah i do great and and it, it is uh it is starting to get scouting off of data is starting to get more and more popular in the sport which is really cool because it also allows for more opportunities for kids who may have not passed the eye test to be at a certain level, but now are getting more shots, um, especially as more coaches are committing to a, a pitch by committee approach um, at the college level, whereas six, seven, eight years ago, it was more like find your two and, and ride them and ride them to the promised land. And so that's, it's, it's kind of like an all encompassing circle in, in that regard. Well, it makes so much sense, Nate, that, uh, you know, they would try to they would want to hire somebody like you to go out and do this because they, they can't be everywhere at the same time. Right. But they still want to know, you know, what pitchers are out there, how they're doing and how someone who, you know, is is an expert in into, you know, scouting pitchers like yourself, you know, thinks of of some of these. So it, it makes sense. Um, uh, you know, there's really not a ton of that now that I think about it in the baseball world for scouting. Um, I can't really think of anybody who who's kind of more of an independent and then college teams hire, you know, pay for their service to in order to send back reports. Um, so I think that's pretty interesting and pretty cool. Yeah. Hope you're enjoying this interview that I'm doing with Nate Walker right now. I just wanted to let everybody know that I just got done doing a, a presentation on how to help softball hitters improve their timing at the plate. So if you head to patrickjonesbaseball.com slash softball timing, you'll get the free presentation with drills, video, everything. patrickjonesbaseball.com slash softball timing, free presentation. I'll also put the link in the show notes. Hope you enjoy the rest of this interview with Nate Walker. Yeah, I mean, it, just scouting off of data is 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 starting to become more and more popular. Like on my baseball side of the business, I have a wonderful partnership with TrackMan, um, and we do a lot of work in Latin America, and um, and, and so they're they're kind of the leaders in that on the baseball side. They we call it digital scouting, and and that's a really big source of information for for clubs. Um, but in the college realm, it's 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 not as you know I would say not as built out yet, and and that just there's a, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. There's just one, um, collecting data is hard, honestly, at scale. A lot of people underestimate how difficult it is and, and making sure, you know, IDs are correct and, and just like the information is coming out cleanly and, and stuff like that. And so I'm lucky to where I've, I've had a lot of experience with that on my baseball side of, of, of the business and, and, um, and as well as front office of knowing what goes into that. And so I was able to apply it on a smaller scale to call it to, to softball. And it fit more kind of like my business model because in, in softball, there's not as many pitchers as there are in baseball. So it's a more manageable number. And then, you know, as well as like the events are a little bit more concentrated in the sport of, you know, everyone goes to Colorado, everyone goes to Chicago, everyone goes, you know, to Rosetta Canyon here out in California. And so it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's condensed in that regard. So, so yeah, it's been an interesting journey with that and you know when i first started it was like all right how the hell do you you know offer a scholarship off this information and now it's become to the point where there's a good chunk of schools that won't offer scholarships unless they see that information because they want to know what they're getting into um because it's essentially a four-year contract right especially at the power five levels so um so they want to make sure they're they're getting all the information possible to make as, as best decision and then as well as you can't talk there's no more early recruiting so you have time to uh, to go over data, uh, you know, I, I, basically a year in advance. 
to make sure that um, that information is is good and fits with what you're looking for for the that next year's recruiting class. So how does this actually work, Nate? Right, you go to a you know a college program, you assess all their pitchers, you know via you know data, maybe some sort of analysis, and then you sit down with the coaching staff and you know explain all the numbers and and you know work with them to come up with a, a development plan with for each pitcher. Yeah. So right now, like if it's like the all encompassing, you know, everything um, we, we try and identify targeted recruits for, for that school that would fit like, all right, we're losing an up baller in 23. We're going to need that coming in either a year or, or at that year in advance. Um, and then we say, okay, how close are they are to what we define as like optimal for, for, you know, and then we basically put an outs number to it. So it's like, this is a, 12 out pitcher this is the 15 out pitcher this is the 21 out like 21 21 out pitcher and then essentially you're working backwards of like okay how much of each different kind of like movement you know profile do you need to kind of be able to match up against left-handed hitters right-handed hitters power hitters like you know all you know all of all the different types of hitters that you'll see and then and then basically find a way to do it in a financially you know responsible way for both the player and the and and the and the, the college so um, so yeah, it's just basically identifying these trends, um, trends in the market, identifying kind of like what the coach is good at developing, how, you know, what's that projected rate of change. Right. And then project essentially how you think you can use this type of movement profile within a pitching staff setting. So, you know, whether it's certain matchups or, um, kind of writing them out a little bit longer, uh, that's what we kind of have to, to figure out as, as we go along, but it's, it's all connected in, you know, in some way. So you're, you're kind of combining, you know, what they have on their current staff from, you know, identifying and and assessing their pitchers, but also it's part of it. It seems like a pretty big part of it is helping them with the recruiting side too, on who they're going to bring in. It's starting to, yeah. Like you start to advise on, um, you know, who's, who's, who's available in their, in their market as, as well as, you know, you can't be a good developer unless you're a good evaluator. Right. So you want to make sure that floor is, you know, I'm always try. I always preach like know how to quantify your floor and know how to like raise the floor of what you're bringing in, you know, year after year. And so, um, so yeah, it's, it's really all about kind of figuring out what pieces work best. And then once they get to college, we have an easier transition to, to maximize their potential. And so this is what's so fun about working in softball is college softball is the big leagues of, of the sport essentially. And so you have, everyone has a four-year contract that, and you have four years to make it work. And so we want to be able to maximize that four years as fast as possible to, to go on a good two, three year run where you're a college world series contender. And so that, that just takes understanding of knowing, you know, what those numbers are ahead of time, that it's really advantageous to the coach of of what those, knowing those numbers ahead of time, and then being able to just hit the ground running instead of, all right, thinking what you know is is the player is getting there have to spend the fall to figure out what the player actually is then develop them well now it's january february and you know season's just right around the corner and you've essentially burned a, a development year and so it's really just to, the point of data and anything right is to accelerate a process speed is king in data and so that's really a big big component in understanding you know on the recruiting side and, and the high school side what's available um, very advantageous, especially to the early adopters in the sport who have, um, who have, who have gone down that route. What would you say the percentage of, of college softball coaches who, who are progressive and, you know, maybe some of those early adopters that you're, you know, you just mentioned. 
I would say, you know, if we just kept kept it around D D one, um, I would say like there's fifteen to twenty percent. You know, it's That's I would, it? if you'd ask, yeah, no, if you'd ask me, you know, three years ago, I would say probably less than ten, less than five potentially. But it's it's uh, it depends. So I would say everyone. I would say a good chunk of, of softball is using data in some capacity right now. They just don't know how to use it within their infrastructure. So like they buy a Rapsodo, they buy a Yakutech, they buy a Blast, they buy something. But a lot of them don't know how to build it within what they built before. And that's that's a big problem. And so when they don't plan for including it in their infrastructure, they just get frustrated. The tech won't work, right? Classic problems that we all see every day. And then it sits in the closet for six months and you're doing the same thing over and over. And so that's where I think softball is at is where, you know, a couple of years ago, like there was a few handful of schools are like, give me any information just to get, to get a competitive advantage. Right. Um, and then, you know, now it's like, all right, I see everyone else doing it now. How do I put it in my infrastructure? So I think 15 to 20% is really is in the progressive category, but I would say like actually like bought a piece of tech and, and is attempted to use data probably over 60%, but that gap between the 15 and the 60 is more infrastructural issues rather than just, you know, willingness to try it out, if yeah. that makes sense. Well, and and you've seen that probably, at least I know I have, just having friends in, in across Major League Baseball organizations. I mean, that was that was a big problem when this when all this new technology came out in professional baseball right there you had k vest and then Trackman and then blast motion and then all these and it's like you know it, it's one thing to be able to do it like in one cage you know in my backyard like right behind me but when you have you know over 100 players at you know different sites and and all these other things and then like taking all that information making sure it's, it's clean data and you know the sensor wasn't put in backwards or whatever it is yeah. and then taking that information and then putting together a plan like there's a lot of steps and it's a, it's, it's not a, an easy task. Um, and especially from a college coach's standpoint, you know, they have other things they have to do too. It's not, it's not solely they just show up and coach and then, you know, and develop and that's it. Like there's recruiting and there's, you know, you know, things going on you have to do within the school and all that kind of stuff too. So it's not, you know, necessarily that easy, but I think that's where someone like yourself comes in and, and, you know, makes, can make their lives a lot easier and give them that structure and, and, you know, some points on, on how to make it work. Yeah. I mean, like, like any role as a consultant, right. You have to simplify things for them and be able to help them make a decision when you're there. That's, that's, that's really my goal. And as, and your job is also as the consultant is to figure out how far, how fast you push the organization to include more of this information in their day-to-day basically. And so it's like, okay, let's just start with a camp. And then let's, now let's start with, you know, collecting data on their own pictures once every two to three weeks. And then now it's like, all right, let's have check-ins every day, you know, every week throughout the season and, and stuff like that. And so it's really a slow build. And like, like you mentioned in, in, in baseball, like I remember when I was working in the front offices, we were debating, I was like, do we even tell this information to the players? you know, back then. That was a big, big debate back, back in like 2016, 2017, because, you know, from, from a business perspective, you're like, all right, we're investing all this money in this expensive tech and we have analysts and we think it's a competitive advantage to acquire, a, you know, we're acquiring players certain ways. And it's like, do we tell the player? Because we know, like, we know he's close. Like, and, and as, as someone in the front office who was in charge of managing kind of who came up and who came down, 
you know, you're just looking at some of these players like, man, if you just had that one thing, you'd be a big leaguer. And that's a lot of money in your pocket that you're missing out on. And so it was like, do you tell them? Do you don't tell them? Like, is it going to screw them up? Right. You know, do they just want to play? And and so that's a whole like another topic of a conversation in itself. But really, just like in baseball, like you figure out, oh, maybe it's a little bit better to be more transparent with the data now that now it's very common in, in the minor leagues to see you know, players understand their track man data and whatnot. And and so um, same with softball. Now you're seeing more players understanding, you know, where, where they're at, what their numbers are. And it's just, it just takes a little bit to get comfortable with another source of information in their day-to-day that they weren't used to four years ago. So it just takes time really, but it's all, it's all part of the process. <laughs> right. And I think though, the, the good thing about the data and some of the technology is, is it can spark conversations um, between players and players and coaches. And it, it can be a, a really cool thing. It has nothing actually to do with what the numbers even mean, um, you know, when you are testing, but it, it can, you know, spark some curiosity from the, from a player standpoint of, you know, what they're trying to do or, or whatever it is. I think the issue that I've seen, at least on the baseball side is, you know, when you're, when you're, you know, hooking players up to a K vest or whatever, and then you get all this information and you don't tell them anything, and then you do it again and they're like, wait, why am I doing this? Like, yeah, you don't tell me anything that it says. So, I mean, why am I continually strapping this on? So I, I view it as like it, like the data needs to be just, just like a buffet, right? And the player goes up with this, with their plate and they just pick and choose what food that they're going to put on their plate. And so you explain to them, you know, what every single food is or whatever piece of technology or analytics is, and then they can be the one to choose, you know, what they're going to give and take. So it's, it's educating them to essentially become their own, in my case, hitting coach, but you know, in your case, maybe pitching coach. Um, And so that way it's transparent. And then it's, you know, you can have that conversation if, if players start overthinking or overanalyzing. Um, and, and that's where the, the coach, you know, really comes in and really helps out. So that's kind of how I view it anyway. Yeah, it's all really about knowing the player, how they, I mean, I was literally in the clubhouse for two big league organizations. Some some players were always on me for for insight. Some saw me and say, go away. Like, like don't, don't <laughs> like run away. <laughs> like, you know, I don't want to see you today. I'm pitching. You know, and so as the same, and as the same with softball players, it's just understanding kind of what makes them tick. I would say I would take that one step further, where you try and identify which metrics make them click, and kind of double down on those until there's evidence that there's not that's not a good strategy, right? And so really, it's all about like simple. You know, if you can simplify, you know, the issue with what's with the data today is now there's just so much of it, yeah. and it's like. How do you, how do you, how do you filter that down and, and, you know, condense that to where you're not getting paralysis by analysis. And so really like the, the equation today is more kind of, yes, here's explain what, what all this, you know, this is your options. This is what all this means. Now, what does this mean to player a specifically? And, and, and how do we build upon that and how we double down on that? And then if, if it's not working, when is that inflection point to where we switch that plan? And so um, so yeah, so it's, it's all really an interesting equation, but it comes back, you know, there's a lot of traditional aspects of, of development that are, are still holding strong today, you know, obviously knowing the player and understanding how like their brain works and how they, how they click. And, and that's what to me makes like the marriage between the subjective and the objective, such a pro- fun problem to solve because everyone always says, yeah, if you have subjective and objective, it's, you know, it's a harmonious relationship, yada, yada, yada. But really, that's it's an incredibly difficult equation to solve. And just kind of knowing kind of 
going back to what that player is like is a big part of that. And so it's, it's really a, it's really a fun, fun, fun equation. And, and, and really in today's world, I think it's more about like, how do you simplify with all the information that's coming in and, 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 and grabbing that, that low hanging fruit, as I like to say, to, to maximize talent. Do you do any work with uh, travel softball organizations? I know you said you, you work a ton with a lot of different college programs around the country, but was just curious if there's also travel softball organizations or, or specific teams who, who reach out and, and want your, your guidance or help too. Not, not as much as college right now, but it's oh, starting to pick up and because, because the colleges are running it. <laughs> so, um, so, so you're seeing more and more like I'm, I'm, I'm getting more active in, in the Southern California travel ball co community, which is, which is a pretty big one, obviously. And, and then you're seeing some more travel teams make some, some tech partnerships. Those were, those were some big ones in the news the last month or so. And so I think, I think, yeah, I think a lot of travel teams are starting to now accept the fact that this is a, a strong means of evaluation and they're going to have to go through the same thing the colleges went through at least the ones I started working with a couple of years ago is how do I create this in an infrastructure? And they honestly have probably a little bit of a more difficult equation because they have more players to attend to. And just knowing, you know, especially on, on the data collection side, how, how to organize all that, that's a, that's a different problem to, to, to solve. So, uh, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it breaks into the travel ball community, both from within the organization. And then as well, what's most exciting is probably what will happen within these massive tournaments that goes on throughout the summers and, and, and the fall. And so I'm really curious to see if, if the, the industry as a whole can kind of get um, pushed to that next level and, and get some, some game data on some of these, some of these high school tournaments, because I think that will be a really big, uh, really big game changer. And um, yeah, but I think it's, it's starting to grow considerably at the, at the travel level for sure. I had a uh, Josh Johnson on, on, um, on my podcast, not that long ago. And he spoke very highly of you, you know, he's down at Mississippi state pitching coach and associate head coach, I believe in recruiting coordinator. And mm -hmm. I asked him how many years, um, he thought it would be for, for softball to get to where baseball is at right now. Um, and so I want to ask you that question, like where, do, how many years do you think it's going to take for softball to, to be as accepting and as, as open from a technology analytics development standpoint to where like, you know, right around where baseball is right now. Well, in terms of accepting, I would say that's going to probably happen sooner rather than later. I'll, I'll say three to five, three to five years. Infrastructurally, that may be Significantly. Well, and baseball still hasn't figured that out in a lot of travel organizations from an infrastructure standpoint, from what I've seen. So, yeah, I honestly, I haven't been in the travel baseball scene in a while. I'm, I'm very, I'm well connected within, in the pro pro landscape, but it's um, yeah. I mean, just being able to, like I said, just the, the process of getting data at scale is much more difficult than people say it is. And, and yeah. having done it myself, um, you know, in, in both sports, in both sports is, is it's a challenge. And so it just takes, it takes commitment. It takes money. It takes, you know, thinking, rethinking the way, you know, you run youth events. Like it, it's a, it's a whole, it's a whole different equation. So I'm not surprised that, you know, a lot of the tech companies, when you talk to them will be like, oh yeah, just, you know, put, stick the radar in like easy, you know, easy peasy. But then once you get like a hundred, 200, 300, um, you know, players just line up, you know, play after play it's just like oh shoot like this is this yeah. is a this is a bigger challenge than you expect so you take the wrong person and then yeah 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 i mean uh, yeah it, it, it's a it, 
we always say the grass is always greener for the person who's not collecting. And so <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting equation, but I think softball in terms of acceptance, like my, I, I had close to 60 schools reach out to me to try and schedule them, schedule me to come to campus this year, wow. uh, which has never happened, um, you know, in, in my years of working in softball. And so um, that just shows just the, the jump that it's taken, you know, over the last few years. But I think in terms of acceptance, it's happening really quickly because there's schools at the top who are, who are having success with it, Josh being one of them. And then, um, and, and yeah, and, and so, and then it's really the next step is, can you create an infrastructure around that, which is going to have some tough conversations of, especially with data collections, like, okay, how do you prioritize data within the recruiting business model, so to speak, right? Because you can't put radars at every single field. So now it's become more of like, can you create situations where top talent is playing top talent consistently because that's when data is most valuable right in the recruiting world so that's where it's like okay can you get that business model to align with what, what will happen on the youth what's generally kind of like the youth the classic youth model where it's like team 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 you know instead of just you know now a little bit more selection of of, of talent so it's it'll be an interesting um few years for sure but i think infrastructure wise it'll take a little bit nate last question for you you got um, high school pitchers, parents, coaches watching this. What would be the the lowest hanging fruit? The the one thing that that you would, uh, if you could give advice to a high school pitcher right now, or their coach, or their parent on on what to work on, just based on what you've seen. I know we touched on this a little bit earlier, but maybe just to double down again is like, what's one piece of advice you would give to a high school pitcher out there? Develop off your strengths. Don't feel like you have to track you know, check boxes just because it's a box. And, and so if you're really good at one thing, especially at an appropriate velocity level, and that would be like kind of one a to this answer is make sure you prioritize velocity because that's still, even with all these numbers coming in, it's still the most predictive when it comes to, to swing and miss uh, at, at the college softball, at, at the college softball level. But if you can be really good at one thing, there is always a role for that on a college roster. Um, just because you can, it, like, it could be good against lefties, for instance, and there's there'll be a string of lefties coming up and th those are your hitters. And so there's always college coaches want to know, like, what is the minimal use I can use this player if all things don't go my way? And so, you know, if you're really good at one thing, even though it sounds oversimplistic, you'll always have a role within that program. And then you can kind of develop and, and, and get more advanced as, as the years progress. So I would just say develop off your strengths. Don't forget about velocity, which is a recent trend that I'm a little bit concerned of in, in the youth space with softball. Um, and and then uh, and then, yeah, and then build off of that and 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 you'll be good to go. Be great at what you're good at. I love it. Yep. Hey, I appreciate you so much, Nate, for coming on. And uh, again, man, great stuff. Glad to see, you know, you you doing what you're doing and, and also just really happy for you that so many so many coaches also just find it so beneficial as they should because the information you're providing is is so valuable. I mean, I love looking at that stuff. And um, so again, I appreciate you doing it and taking the leap from professional baseball into softball. It's pretty cool. No, absolutely. I, I mean, the, the sport is growing rapidly and I'm happy to, to play a small part in it and, and, or be, you know, be included in it. And the softball community has been very opening to me and, and, and my ideas. So uh, thanks for having me on and, and let me get to talk about the sport on, on your platform and here and uh, really enjoy the conversation.